Welcome to Solomon's Knot, finding truth and wisdom in an information age. This episode will conclude a two-part series on gender, faith, and morality with our special guest host, Leah, from Lens of Faith Ministry. So if you haven't already, please check out the first part of this podcast prior to listening to this discussion. Leah further explores issues in the culture not limited to social media usage, gender, and a host of topics that are relevant and pressing, particularly for young people. So without further delay, let's get to our guest. Because you do have to have a heart of love. Mm. Anytime I say anything, even if it's tough love and it, you know, convicts you and it's hard to hear, it's really always coming from a humble, pure heart of love. Like I really want you to be all that God's called you to be, right? It doesn't come from a judgmental, self-righteous, you know, prideful heart. And that's something that God had to purge from me because it used to come from kind of more pride. And I surrendered in the moment and I said, then do it, Lord, do whatever you want to do in me. I'm yours. Mm. Telling you, Jason, I've never been the same. I hear people, they can speak truth just like I speak truth but you can just feel like an anger from them. You don't feel like an an anointing, you know, you feel like it's just not in the right place. And that's not what God wants from Mm. us. I really want to be Christ-like and Christ is the lion and the lamb. Mm. Sometimes I'm going to have to be a fierce lion. And there's other times I'm going to hold the homeless person in my arms and just hold them like a lamb. Uh, So refreshing to hear that. Um, I very much sometimes feel like I can be more deliberate and sometimes like not considering the other person. I think, you know, the word does say we need to seize our words with salt and we need to be like, of the world. And there's sometimes where words fail our actions, like going up and letting that person know that you care for them. And I think often when you see someone that has a differing religious or worldview perspective than you do, like a practical way is just asking them why that's meaningful to them and kind of letting them open up a little bit. I think there's ways to do apologetics without having to like correct or like really kind of try to draw out all the negatives there and asking them deeper questions that may just get them really confused. I think from just the position of listening and like approaching them where they're at demonstrating the love, you know, it's one thing to kind of do the act, but we have to also speak the truth. Otherwise we're kind of letting them get off with, you know, we can deep dive that another time, how we can engage practically with the culture. That's why it's so important that you desire discernment and ask God for discernment because Mm. no two people are alike. You might go outside, you might be on an errand and you run into someone that's not a believer. They just need the compassion of Jesus. And then you might be with a Christian who's justifying their sin. It's really a case by case based the same way with everybody. Just like Jesus being the lion and the lamb, I want sometimes yeah. I'm the lamb and sometimes I'm the lion, right? I just don't know. But I don't want it to ever come from my own flesh, yeah. my own motive. The Holy Spirit really has to like kind of light something up in me to do something. Like I know it's him and it comes from a pure place. Right. And so, But I do want to be obedient. Yeah. If he tells me to say something, I'm going to say it. If he tells me to shut my mouth, I'm going to shut my mouth, yeah. right? What does it look like to not just have the relationship with God, but to kind of be God's agent in the world? I never really get in the weeds on this stuff. I feel like there's just always this disconnect. Like if we're not presenting this in clear terms, it kind of comes off as like mysticism or even to some people delusionary. Like, so in a practical way, explain to me what that process looks like when God gives you some insight or specific revelation about what to share with someone. What does that look like for you? How do you encourage that or equip that into people that are maybe ministering to people or just kind of on different stages of their journey. What would you say? Does that start in the morning or does that kind of reverberate throughout the rest of your day? It starts out with you getting your heart right. Because if my heart wasn't right, God would not trust me the way he does. So what that means, the day that I said, whatever you want to do in me, Lord God, I'm yours. And I allowed him to do the surgery in my heart to remove pride and judgment and all these things that, you know, was kind of my upbringing, this independent spirit, all of that. Mm. When I allowed God to do this deep purge, it it wasn't comfortable, it was very painful. Mm. He just basically tried 
transform my whole life identity. You know, who I was my whole life, who I saw myself. Mm. He's like, you're going to be a new creation in me. Like, I'm going to do something new. And I was a good Christian girl. I didn't go from darkness to light. Mm. I went from light to pure light. Mm. Already the so-called Christian who kind of compromised a little Mm. and would tell you I still love Jesus, but then have bitterness in my heart. Have anger towards someone, carry an offense. Yeah. It starts out you really wanting the things that God wants. And he loves people. Mm. He loves even the one. He would move heaven and earth for the one person. Wow. You know, the Bible tells us that he left the 99 for the one that, mm. you know, went astray. Mm. He'll yeah. chase after one person. Yeah. And the, and the word also says the angels rejoice in heaven when one sinner repents yeah. and returns. Yeah. That's so good. Once God changed my heart, mm. uh, we, we're all busy people. We have our own lives. We can tend to be really self-focused, especially as Americans. Mm. I have a mm. list of things to do today and this is what I got to do. Really have mm. time for strangers. Mm. But once I allowed God to change my heart and I really, my heart was for whatever he wanted me to do and to build his kingdom. Mm. That's when everything Mm. changed in my life. And now I pray Mm. for divine appointments every day. So for me, it was, first of all, a heart change. I think a lot of people trust God, but does God trust you? Wow. Yeah. I literally feel like he trusts me. I feel it. Like he will use me anywhere. He knows like Leah will speak if I tell her to. She's not going to care what people think. She doesn't have fear of man. I can use her anywhere. And it's true. But that was not an overnight process. That was me allowing layers of not caring what people thought. It was just kind of this like layers, especially because I see the church has been more silent and we need to wake this church up. Yeah, no, that's so good. I've been through my own journey from, I would say from dark to light and from prodigal to the older brother, back to the father, back to the prodigal. But what you're talking about is the pruning and to be obedient. This is the rubbing point for people in the faith as we try to be these kind of spotless, sinless trophies. But what it should look like, if you really want to see if someone truly is following, you have to know the word of God. You have to know what right looks like. And you have to also get close to that person and invite them in. I run on this a lot with my family because you know everybody's in a different stage of their journey. But I have actually really changed the way that I view my family members. Before I would kind of be a little bit more harsh and be like, oh, well, every single time we meet them, it's still the same type of thing. Well, you know what? If that's the way I look at them, then I'm always going to start with that preconception. But if I start actually approaching them with hope and encouragement and love and telling them what they're doing right, then we're actually fundamentally changing the perspective of which we're viewing our reality. And it's no longer just the carnal fleshly perspective. It's now the spirit and what the spirit wants to see. So as we're kind of closing out the conversation here, you know, we had talked a little bit about gender and identity, the morality morality, um, just a lot of the impacts in our culture, and even really us as we're on that journey to discovering deeper truths and knowledge about God. What are some maybe closing comments, just insights you've gleaned from the ministry that you do? Um, I failed to mention this earlier, but Leah, I know you're very big in the music industry and entertainment culture. What are some of the things that maybe you're seeing in this space? And what do you want to say in response to maybe some of the conversations? Well, I did want to finish up. I want you to add this to the what we were talking about, okay. to asking me like, what does it really look like? I had to have God change my heart. And and once he started mm-hmm. to trust me with his kingdom business, I started to pray for divine appointments because I started to care about something bigger than me. So these are not just chance encounters or whatever feels good. These yeah. are supernatural divine encounters with people with the purpose of Jesus interacting in the conversation to help both you and that person grow more into his image and his nature. Yeah. So can you explain that process a little bit more? Is that what you're getting at? Hey, there's nothing like actually having a divine appointment. I feel like 
wow, this is my purpose. Like this was, this is what we are created to do. You know, this is so fulfilling. I walk away smiling every time I feel like God's good pleasure on me being obedient and putting his kingdom before my kingdom. So it's never a feeling of regret or anything like that because I do pray for divine appointments every day. And I know God's always going to answer them. Mm -hmm. I'm always expectant. So if you're someone that is not expecting to have a divine appointment and you have an agenda, you know, you're just not aware. You don't make yourself aware of people around you because Mm -hmm. you you have an agenda and so you're not really being observant or anything like that. But when you start to pray for divine appointments, God will put people in your way. And you just have to know, like, I know instantly, Jason, it's a divine appointment. Like, I don't think like, oh, that's kind of weird that that happened to me today. Yeah, no. I expect it every time. Like, even afterwards, I'll be like, thank you, Lord, for that divine appointment. Like, I know, I know, you know, how to credit it, right? There's a lifestyle component to this that I think also is very tangible, like practicing the presence of God, right? Going with the intention of opening up and sharing but it's when it falls on ears ready to hear, that's when you have confidence that the message is being born and received essentially. is um, Let God do whatever he needs to do in your life. Start to purge things of this world. You know, then mm. expect the divine appointments, meaning like say you're going to a grocery store, you're going there and you're not just beelining through the aisle you have to go to. You're being aware of your surroundings, right? Because you you just never know. And you don't try to make up a divine appointment. God will always bring it to you. But if you're so self focus, then you won't be um, open to stopping at any given yeah. time when God has you stop. Yeah. But I try to as much as possible. Yeah. I try to just always be ready. So it's not you getting ready. It's yeah. like you stay ready is the best way yeah. to say it, right? And there's so many practical things. I mean, I look at church almost as like a dojo, like you go there to get trained up spiritually. I mean, it is a place we commune and there's something very supernatural and powerful about the body of Christ. It's like all those areas of strength and weakness overlap and And it's where we stop focusing on ourselves and we orient our lives and our hearts to Christ. We learn obedience. We learn to receive a message. Uh, And look, hey, not everyone is there in their beliefs and some of their theology. We're not going to get in the weeds on that. But I think what's more important is just being sensitive to what God is saying. And this is predicated upon you having a relationship and receiving the indwelling spirit. You know, for people that don't believe that, but just want the good teachings, I would just say, hey, that might inform the way you vote. Maybe some of the ethical and moral decisions you make in life, most of the non-believing world still lives off of a lot of the Sermon on the Mount, the Ten Commandments, a good number of moral and philosophical teachings from scripture and how to live and conduct yourself in a pure way, or at least in an honorable way and righteous way. The land itself benefits adhering to God's word and God's rules. But what I think happens more often is that it's almost too easy in our culture to just show up to the event or to give or to love people in our life that we already love. And there's so many scriptures. The word even says, if you give to someone or you love people that love you back. Doesn't the, the non-believing world do the same? Right. And then another thing is when we're talking about living out kingdom life and being agents of God and vessels of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about is we are focusing purely on pleasing God. And part of that is operating out of what God has already commanded. Go and make disciples, share the word, be ready in season, always be ready to give a defense for the reason why you believe. And know that by the way, because of this, you may receive persecution. You may be judged. You may be on the other end of that, but do not fear. Don't be afraid. I've overcome the world. You know, Christ talking about this, but here's the thing is we are storing up treasure in heaven. The fact that we do gain or lose in this life isn't the ultimate goal or aim. If we become very influential in certain spheres, 
failures or meeting success, there's almost like this, well, I'm not doing it right because none of these things are happening. My relationships are falling apart. I'm still single. And later in my life, when a lot of my friends are married or, you know, how come I didn't get the breakthrough or how come I listened to this prosperity message and I didn't get the healing that I thought I would get. My family members died. I mean, there's not enough time under the sun to really unpack a lot of that. Far too many Christians see Mm. God as sanity, right? Mm. Like, yeah. why did I get from you, God? Why didn't you give me what I asked you for, right? Right. He's like, well, why aren't you giving me what I'm asking of you, which is your heart? Right. We're pursuing the blessing of God, mm-hmm. the favor and outpouring of his spirit without the lordship and obedience, really the heart growth, just the levels of transformation that we're going to go through in the process. And it's a very painful process. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody inherently wants to give good for evil. We don't want to reconcile with people that don't respect us or love us. And I think that there's boundaries there. I don't think that we need to necessarily try to engage with people that are just really hostile or nasty, but I think it's important to pray for them and not practice your righteousness. There's so many humble brags out there. There's so many like flaunting of just how blessed and grateful you are. I think that there's a balance there. You know, honestly, Jesus tells more often than not, look, go to the secret place and pray in the secret place. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand doing. Some of the most humble and generous people are people that we'll probably never hear about. You know, these wealthy donors that give money and get their names on buildings. I'm not saying that's bad, but I think that we're kind of missing the point here. Is Christ glorified through this? Right. And I think, honestly, I was really convicted this lately. You know, I've been working on a number of projects and I always just find my name or my face, my story, my testimony at the center of them. But there's almost this point where it's like, I'm investing way too much on what I have to say about this as like almost like God's spokesperson and not letting just to rest in it. Maybe I need to learn this not so I can just share it with someone. Maybe I need to learn this because it's God's word and it's true. I just want to take a moment to thank the faithful listeners who have made this show possible. We have seen an increase in the number of downloads and shares this podcast in both the Southeast region of the United States, even in various places throughout the world. We just recently uploaded these episodes to YouTube. So please make sure to subscribe to the channel and share with other like-minded peers or even young people that may never hear the message of the gospel in a practical and intellectual format specifically geared to the college campus and North Carolina State University. Go Wolfpack. All right, let's get back to the show. I can share an example of a recent divine appointment that's really neat. Mm. Uh, you know, we were just going to go to the grocery store to get her a, a cake and some balloons for her birthday. Mm. I wasn't thinking divine appointment at all. You know, <laughs> I'm always ready, but you know, I'm just thinking we're just going to go grab this real quick and leave. Yeah, right? Totally normal thing. Totally you know? normal, a quick errand, just in and out. So we get to the grocery store and the guy that was working behind the balloon counter that was supposed to blow up our balloons and get our balloons together. Let's just be honest. He was a hot mess. <laughs> the very first thing that comes out of his mouth is he was having the worst day of his life. That's what he said. And he was popping the balloons. He was dropping things. He fell down a couple of times. I'm like, he was just a mess, right? I just felt my spirit, like the Holy Spirit was telling me to love on him. Mm -hmm. And so I just started ministering to him and telling him that Jesus loves him. You know, I invited him to church. We even took a photo with him. You should have just saw his whole expression just change. He went from looking depressed, completely lit up within like, you know, 15 minutes, you know, we gave him our card for church and everything. And I just left smiling going, Jesus, you're so funny. You're so sneaky. (laughs) (laughs) His timing is so good and so strange. I mean, I love that. I love how practical that is. He just thanked us. And just Mm. to see a complete transformation in this man's day and his attitude, that just was everything for me. And it's all because I stopped for the one. Mm. Now say I was too busy. I just wanted to grab it and go. I wanted to minister to him. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's so good. You have to allow God to change your heart in order to even care. Yeah. I really, there's so many stories I could go into, but it's almost like the small, simple details matter so much more than the big mountain moving events. And I've noticed more often, it's just the thought. It's just the care, the reaching out to someone, you know, more often not it's the little things we do in little movements of grace that God uses at strategic times. It's not even the loud trumpet blast that's going to drop the walls of Jericho for that person, which is what I always expect in the campus. Like, God, like who's going to get wrecked by the Holy Spirit today and get led to Christ today? Um, that's only happened probably a few times in my life, but you don't know the work and the labor that's been done up into that point. And you also don't know the fruit of that. I've seen people that received and then I would see them months later and they're kind of like right back to their lifestyle. And you, you kind of wonder if that was legit salvation or not. But I've also seen where young people have engaged with, they would tell me in the margin, I had a lot of issues when I was in church as a young person or when I was growing up and uh, you really helped me understand something like that could have been like the hugest win. You know, you don't know the fruit of their life. So I think a lot of times we're just like investing, hoping and praying that over the long haul they receive it. But um, honestly, where I don't say a word to someone, I just smile and they can see Jesus in that. Amen. Like, it's not like, it's not this huge work effort, you know, mm. sometimes you know, like someone, you don't know, like, I remember when God told me you're going to break the spirit of suicide off people and you won't even know it just by the words that come out of your mouth. Wow. Right. You never know. I could say one thing, like, I like your shirt or I like your hair. Nobody sees them for yep. a compliment and they're in a negative environment, just needed that one compliment. And now they yeah. will continue with their life. Yes. The perspective of that Jesus noticed people right. and it wrecked them. I mean, the woman at the well just kind of really sticks out. Even people that just broke through the crowds just to touch his garment and he stopped what he was doing just to acknowledge that person. And I think honestly, most of our lives, we are passing through on this waiting line, just trying to get to the next step. I'm just here waiting to the next season of my life. Whenever I get that job, whenever I get that marriage, when things start working out good, I want to plan for retirement. Then I want to start giving and being generous. Like, no, today start that journey with Christ. Don't wait till next Sunday. Don't wait till things get really hard because honestly, that's where the enemy wants you. He wants you constantly just waiting for tomorrow and waiting for whenever it feels good. And more often than not, you're letting those opportunities pass you by. <laughs> Sister, I can see you one in the chamber right here. Let's get Jason, it. I mean, it's, it's when you were saying that, it's like, you know, you have to remember we're not promised tomorrow. Mm. You know, you think... Yeah. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do this and this tomorrow. And the Bible says you're making plans. You don't even know what tomorrow holds. Yeah. So if God prompts you to do something, be obedient. Favor follows radical obedience. Yeah. When you're willing to give up your life for Christ and really be his mouthpiece, mm-hmm. when you want to build his kingdom over yours, then just watch your life flourish. Watch everything that happens to you mm-hmm. become more mm-hmm. easy. And the joy of the Lord just rests on you and things you don't even pray for. He hands to you. I'm telling you, I can be here all day talking about the goodness of God where I didn't have to get on my knees and beg for something. Mm. It's like God already knew I needed it and he already was working it out for my good. And that really comes from that lifestyle where the enemy wants to lie to you and think if you give up all these things that you want to do, you'll be miserable. The FOMO, you know, fear of missing out that if you don't do what your peers are doing, then you're going to miss out. Whatever lies the enemy wants to throw at us, right? But the truth is God redeems time. 
He gives you things that normally you might have to wait for. He'll give you quickly. I mean, yeah. the life of surrender is actually living your best mm-hmm. life. Yeah. You're actually missing out when you're not surrendered to God. Wow. I tell you, I've lived both lives and I can tell you. Yeah. When you're not completely surrendered to God, you live in anxiety. You don't live with peace. You're worried. You're, you struggle financially, whether it's health. I mean, there's so many things that you get targeted and you don't understand it because you're a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. But when you really give it all to Jesus, he really blesses that person. I've seen it. He really blesses someone with a pure heart. I really believe that. Yeah. With a humble and pure heart, he will do things that you don't want to brag too much about God, right? It's like, I literally feel like I don't beg for anything. Mm. I'm not saying I don't have to like ask for something. Yeah. And he just shows up. And it's like, the more that you become dependent on God, the less you become dependent on man. Yeah. Can you say that again? The more that you become dependent on mm. God, the less you become dependent on man. Yeah. But we're not dependent on God. You become very dependent on man. Yeah. No, it's good. Wow. Um, that came to my mind is when the world tries to copycat or to counterfeit what God already does, like this whole aspect of minimalism or this aspect of aestheticism, the ability to create this type of balance or harmony in your life. And this very much flows into like new age thought, just even some of the different practices and religions out there and lifestyles, yoga, things like that. There's this whole aspect that you can get to this state of harmony or peace, but it never seems to last. There's always this, well, you got to try harder. If we're not careful, we'll kind of do the same. We'll kind of get in this place where, well, God, how can we not moving and talking like you used to? As humans, I think we're just kind of, we get stuck in routines and we just hope that God just consistently does what he does, but we forget that we change too. So God always stays the same. He always stays loving. He always stays committed and He's always there to return to. And so I think often we need to be even more ground as we get older, as we acquire more responsibility and more blessings in life. And as we go through more things, like we have a responsibility to share our testimony and to grow and disciple. So, you know, is there any closing thoughts or resources uh, that you'd like to provide for whether they're students or parents, people in the culture that may be hearing this for the first time? What do you want to say to them? And then maybe along with that, how can people follow you and get some of the resources you have available and just any closing comments that you want to to share with the people listening? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Welcome. But I did want to say this when it comes to gender. You know, we live in a culture now, you know, with the suicide and the school shootings, like a death culture, where the enemy has really covered young people with the spirit of confusion. Mm. I want to just say that you are not an accident. God doesn't make mistakes. You were created when you were created, why you created, the gender you were created, Mm. everything about even your hair color, your height, everything about you was very intentional by the creator who is Jesus, who is God. Mm -hmm. And so the enemy wants to confuse you and lie to so many young people, telling them that if you don't want to be a girl, don't be a girl. If you want to like a boy, like a boy. All these lies, but it's really because he wants to steer us away from our purpose, right? And so I just want to tell those that are listening that you are not an accident. You're not a mistake. Who you were created to be, where you were created, when you were created, everything about that process has a great purpose. God has a purpose for it all. It's not by chance. Yeah. He really wants your heart. He wants your complete surrender. That's the only way to live your best life. Yeah. So um, I just encourage you to really get to know Jesus, have a relationship with him, allow him to quickly convict you on the things that you might consider gray area, not sin, but they are hindering you from a relationship with Jesus and they're dividing you from a closeness with him. Mm. And it's it really, it keeps you from experiencing and sensing his presence. 
things. You know, there's times where God will tell me, you can't watch that. Mm. You can't listen yep. to that. You know, you got to unfollow that person. Put that book down. It's wow. just a constant. You know, I remember when I first started praying for God to easily convict me, it was kind of annoying. I'm like, man, anytime I was mad for a second, he was already convicting me. I'm like, yeah. it's actually a good conviction because what it does is it purifies us. It draws us close to Jesus. And you get to a point where you really are living that freedom in Christ that you hear yeah. about. That's, That's the good. true freedom in Christ. Because Jason, I can't really relate to like gender identity because I'm so proud to be a woman, honestly. Yeah. I wanted to invite a woman, someone from the opposite gender on to have this conversation. So it wasn't one-sided, but yes, I think that not being ashamed of being the gender that you were growing up and look, every human being has had struggles with their identity, whether it's issues stemming back from your childhood or even just in the culture at large and seeing how certain lifestyles, I believe like one of the biggest things with transgenderism or LGBTQ stuff is that students are getting popularity on social media, the more that they're engaged in this lifestyle. Right. Because it looks kind of edgy. It's something that's very radical. And we wouldn't think of that. I think at that age, that was kind of still taboo. If you actually were more associated with LGBT, they didn't even call it that then. But if you were more in the homosexual or bisexual community, you were almost kind of marginalized and then judged or bullied. I want to say that's probably not the case today, but I think it's become so normalized in the culture to where there's almost like this edgy, cool factor to it. Like, ooh, that person's a rebel. Oh, yeah. It's like the more non-traditional you are, right? Yes. The more it's accepted you become. I heard this powerful story recently from this lady. Mm -hmm. She has great influence in government. She's from the UK. And she was saying that she was home one day and her, I think, 19-year-old daughter came home with like a few of her friends and they told her we're bisexual. Mm -hmm. And she said, what? And she tried to keep her composure. And she said, well, have you ever kissed a girl? And they said, no. Have you ever kissed a boy? They said, no. And um, so how do you know you're bisexual? Uh -huh. They said, well, we just don't want to offend anyone. So we just say we're bisexual. Mm. Like that's just crazy. That's what it is now. It's like yeah. a lot of these people mm. aren't even attracted to that, but because they want to be accepted and loved, mm. they're just taking that on or because they don't want to offend anyone. Mm. And then she says something really funny. She's been married to her husband, David, for like 25 years or something. Mm -hmm. She looks in the other room and she sees him and she goes, well, you know what? I'm David sexual. And they're like, oh, whoa, what's that? Right? <laughs> she said, I only have sex with David. <laughs> they all looked at her and said, we want to be David sexual. So Funny. It's like, it's almost like they just needed someone to speak truth into their life. Like yeah. they didn't even know that monogamy and being with the opposite sex was an option, you know? Yeah. It's almost like they just needed someone to tell them that there was a way up. Yeah. And so I just thought that that was such a powerful story and such a revelation of what the culture, the young people are dealing with today, that a lot of them aren't even that way, but because it's becoming a trend, yeah. they're just taking on that identity, but it's just all a lie from the enemy. It's what he wants. He wants you to have identity crisis and yeah. to live in confusion, to live in depression, to live in anxiety, and it's not of God. Look, this is so important. You know, when we say the enemy, there's a spirit of the age. You know, the human heart is wicked and deceitful. Who can know his ways? And there's a scripture that says anyone that causes one of these little ones, those who believe in him, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Right. There's multiple scriptures talk about, especially for young people, their hearts and minds are so pliable. And if you don't have boundaries if you don't have structures of discipline, godly discipline, like honorable discipline, not just abusing your children, but like correcting them out of love, ensuring that they're staying within the proper boundaries that you set, then essentially you're giving them to the world, their teachers at school, incredible amount of influence and time. They get eight to 10 hours of time and they have the state backing them. You know, so think about these things, the university systems, you're talking about the most formidable 
stages where your brain is developing and solidifying and it's expanding at incredible rates is happening in those adolescent to college years, like 13, 14 to 25. That gap is where they're going to be really, really solidifying their worldview. If you're sending them into areas and institutions where they're going to be essentially re-indoctrinating them, I would say a better way is uh, renewing their mind and content that is not robust. And we see this practically in the world all the time, but if you do not have a relationship with Christ and you do not have the proper perspective of reality and truth, and there's nothing guarding your mind, your heart, the words that you speak, you can be unwittingly working with agents of the devil, assuming worldly wisdom that is actually capable of leading massive amounts of people astray. We see this in our government leaders. We see this among some of the leading influential people in the world in every different sector of life, in the media and the arts and music and the culture. And so the effect of our words, what informs our words has weight. We want to equip people of all ages, backgrounds, everything to search out truth. And there's nothing that's going to be able to speak into your heart that's going to change the human heart than the word of God. Other systems of belief will be able to give you some wisdom and teaching, but it's not fundamentally going to change the reality around you because they haven't demonstrated the ability to master the elements. I had a talk with a young man, a Buddhist, and he was convinced that suffering and his self-actualization into that understanding was enough to change his life and the lives of others. Just because you have a following, just because you have influence, doesn't mean you're actually producing positive good in the world that can be measured against the standard, which is Christ. I just actually made a post of that. Just because you have followers doesn't mean you're anointed. Mm. Yes. You know, because numbers and more is how the world defines success. Value. Yeah. Numbers. Yes. How many people were there? How many people are following you? Yes. More and more. But God could care less about numbers, right? Right. Some of the most anointed, powerful people that I follow are not the ones that have a million followers. Mm. But that's another huge difference between the world and living for God, right? Like living spirit-led versus living to the world standards. Because the world is telling you more and more and more, faster, better, bigger, you know, spend, 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 you know, that's going to make you happy. But the truth is when we die, we can't take any of that with us, right? Yes. Only for Christ will last. And I think this is also key is that if this is the only life you have, then it makes perfectly good sense why the world wants to keep on pushing, get it now. Make the impact you can in this life. Create a legacy that could extend to generations after you, but doesn't ultimately promise life and eternity outside of this world. And look, the word says in Hebrews 9, 27, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, there's a life beyond this life. And we are not the only civilization to believe this. Even ancient civilizations had this innate understanding that there is something beyond this life. Christianity is not the only worldview that believes in an afterlife. But here's what we need is we need someone, a standard, a truth that is eternal to interact in our natural plane that can tell us, hey, Jesus Christ, the last time I checked, is the only person to claim divinity with God that said he was from outside of our existence. He was created from the beginning. And part of his creation is that he was going to come into our reality to lead us back into harmony with God in eternity. Everybody else just gives you great morals and philosophy and good precepts on living. A lot of it is borrowed from Jesus. But most of it is man-centered. And so we need a standard, a truth, and a relationship with someone that has the power and authority of God, but also can meet us on our level. Right. Uh, any resources you want to drop on the, the students here, things, you know, uh, practicals, uh, books, scripture, anything that comes to your mind, what do you want to share? So the number one book I recommend 
is the Holy Bible. <laughs> Bestseller since uh, the beginning of time. But yeah. seriously, that is the number one book. If I don't read any other book, that's the book I read. Okay. Yeah. And um, honestly, I don't know if it's a book or a resource, but I just really just encourage you to get to that surrender moment with Jesus. Or even if you think you're a good enough Christian right now, you know, just get on your knees and ask him to reveal whatever it is that he needs to reveal that anything that you need to change or anything that you would allow him, it takes humility to get to that place so just humble your heart and allow god to reveal anything he needs to do in your life and be obedient when he does reveal it to you and that will change what you're convicted of that will change maybe the friends that you have there was a season in my life where he purged a lot of friends and that's a whole nother message but he started giving me purpose-driven friends and so really quality over quantity like he'll just start to move in every aspect Mm. of your life as you learn to trust him but Mm. watch his faithfulness come into play and you know he's really so trustworthy he's never failed and he's not going to start now Mm. so i really just encourage you to get to that humble surrender moment if you want to listen to any of my podcasts or read any of my blogs i'm a lens of faith Mm. at leahmariecarson.com follow me on instagram at the lens of faith Mm. i have a facebook group lens of faith ministry find me in different ways and if you ever want someone to talk to just shoot me a message and i would love Mm. to answer any questions you might have wonderful yeah we'll put links in the show notes for how you can get in touch with leah so great having you i definitely want to say thank you from the ministry and uh, hope to have you back here in the near future um so great having you it's great talking to you jason awesome thank you again for listening to another exciting episode of solomon's knot a production of fortcampus.org and its related partners please make sure to join us for our outreach day this upcoming Saturday, August 13th at Starbucks outside the Tally Student Union on NC State campus. The last outreach event saw a number of young people hearing and engaging with the gospel, some of them having never given their lives to Christ. Whether you're inviting a family member, a friend, or even if you're just wanting to fellowship with a group of like-minded peers. For more information, please check out our website at 4, that is the number 4, campus.org for news and information, including resources such as our questions page, as well as previous interviews with students and communities both on campus and in the local area for you to get connected on your journey to discovering Christ in a personal way. So until next time, this is your host Jason signing off. See you out on the campus. Peace.